We are pretty passionate about branding and targeting your dream client. This episode is the second part of our defining your dream client topic. If you haven't listened to part one, head on over to your favorite podcast platform and give it a listen before diving into this one. Make sure to come back for more though, because we've included a defining your dream client worksheet in the show notes. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teat. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. That is, again, yet another hallmark of a luxury brand. They are not afraid to repel the people that are not for them just as much as they're putting effort into attracting the people that are. You don't want to be marketing to everyone because you are yelling into the void if you are trying to get everyone to come work with you. Well, I always think about it when we launched Teak. I thought we were so silly to go exclusively travel advisors. I'm like, there's tons of people who we could serve with this. Like there's tons of small business owners, female small business owners, I would say would be our second demographic that we could probably reach more people. But look at all the people going after that demographic. It's it's huge. It's tons. Because when you speak to everybody, that's where you're fighting through the crowd. But when we were like, nope, it's just travel. And we said, no, there was like a random boutique in Green Bay who reached out about us doing their brand. And I was like, sorry, I don't know anything about you. It felt good to be like, no, I know so much about this industry. I know which same with travel. I know so much about this place. I know so much about this destination. And I'm the expert here. And that's where you're going to get the best of me. I can't give you the best of me for a boutique clothing line because I, I just don't know it. And it honestly doesn't inspire me. I don't care about it, but I do care about travel. And so that's where I'm going to pour my brains into everything. You're not giving the best of you when you're just giving to everybody. So I think it's also like a service to your clients. It's a service to your clients and also a service to yourself because like you said, you're that's going to drain you if you're not enjoying the type of travel that you're planning. And if your service fees are based on your average amount of time spent on your niche trips, then the second that you deviate from that, you're actually becoming more expensive but charging the same, if not less, because you're doubting your knowledge at that point. And when we doubt our knowledge, we tend to like, oh, I'm not going to charge them as much because I don't know as much. If you're not getting the trips you want to be getting, then you probably need to reevaluate that. And we'll touch on that in a minute. But the whole point is don't get in over your head by saying yes to the things that are not on brand for you. And yes, your your trips should be part of your brand. Like what you're putting out in a proposal is absolutely part of your brand. It's not just your logo. It's not just your hex codes. It's not your fonts. Whatever you're putting out into the world, any piece of it is part of your brand. Robin, I know you actually created a worksheet that helps people evaluate one, their target audience, but also like how to kind of start getting in that direction because it can be really daunting and intimidating to decide that you are a niche or you're niching down. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, 100%. And if you're listening to this and you're new and you're like, well, I need to book everything because I don't know what I want to book. 
I wouldn't know what I wanted to book either until I tried booking things. And somebody came to me with Thailand. I ruined the trip. It was horrible. And I said, well, I'm not doing Thailand as a specialty. And then I moved on. So like, don't be afraid to fail. And I think in the beginning, booking is just an experience in and of itself. So you can figure out your client experience. If you are in that phase of anything and everything, typically you'll start to see trends of this lights me up. This does not. And I'm not good at it. And take note of that and those feelings. But we do have... On our website in our freebie section, you can find this in our menu. We'll, of course, link it in the show notes as well. We have the Defining Your Dream Client Guide. This is actually something I selfishly created for myself because back when Jen and I were first tossing around the idea of Teak, I wanted to do it right. When I jumped in to travel, I just was kind of like, mission, vision, value, ideal client, don't need it. I'll just do whatever I want. And I wanted to do it right for Teak. So I downloaded, I'm pretty sure every single person, because you'll find them everywhere. The the dream client guide, I've seen, you know, ideal client avatar worksheets. If you throw a simple search in Google, you'll probably find 20. And I promise you, I downloaded all 20. And every single time I would do one, I'm like, what do I do with this? Like, what is the point of knowing that my ideal audience likes to shop at J. Crew? Like, what does that possibly tell me about travel? And I got so annoyed because I'm like, yet again, it's a bust. But where our guide goes a little bit further is it asks you more probing questions about like what it is about those clients that actually is going to matter to your business. So it has questions in there that's their tone of voice. How do they talk to their, how do they talk to you? Like as a service provider, do they cuss a little bit? Are they a little bit raw or are they super formal? Like, is this a formal process to them because they're a C-suite executive and I don't think you can turn off being a C-suite executive, even when you do go home to a family. So our, our guide goes a little bit further. And then at the end, it It has you list all of the commonalities. So like things that would make sense. So if they are a little bit more raw and they talk a little bit more freely, let's say, and they're attracted to brands that maybe have that edge, like they say kind of scandalous things and they're not afraid to do that. What does that say about what brands and what they're attracted to? And how does that mirror your business? Because If you are a meek and mild person and you can't even imagine like cussing on an intake call or using any sort of caption that possibly is a little bit provocative, there's a disconnect. Like there's a misalignment. So it's either that that isn't your ideal client or if it is, we need to change our branding a little bit. So it's something that we used ourselves and it helped us a lot. And it's designed in a Google Doc way for you to just literally brain dump anything and everything. And then once you have that ideal client, they just stay top of mind. So when I used it for my travel business, it was Honeymoon Hannah. And she was like doing bridal shows in Miami. She's from South Florida, which is where I'm from. She had all these things on her plate. She's not yet a manager, but she's close to the promotion level. She's been in like corporate world for a couple years now. And she's not making bare minimum, but like not making the crazy money yet. It's just like, I don't know. I brought her to life. And so anytime I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do I write for this Instagram caption? What should this blog be about? What would Honeymoon Hannah want to hear right now? I love that though, because you've always, you've also mentioned a party. And I think you should share a little bit about that in a minute. You mentioned where do people shop and no one ever says this answer, which I think is shenanigans because it's true. When people say they have like a busy mom that loves the nice things, no one ever says like that she shops at Amazon because she's on the go. And I'm like, 
I'm sorry, but like there are some people that don't shop on Amazon ethical reasons or just like they they appre- they want to go to the store and get it themselves. But to me, I'm like Amazon. Okay, someone doesn't want the fuss. They want delivery seamlessly. They don't. They might want to read a few reviews, but they really just want it delivered to their door quickly as possible, and they're willing to pay for it because they've got Prime membership. That is exactly like a psychological analysis of where someone would shop. And then Subaru and Patagonia, where do you think they're going to go? They are probably going to go hiking and they want something a little bit more adventurous. They might, if they go to Costa Rica, they might want to zip line. If they go to South America, they're probably going to want to do Chile and Patagonia as a combination. They might actually just want to stay domestic and do an RV trip and have the time of their life driving across the country. There is a lot of power in knowing where someone shops because it does tap into who they are. I mean, that comes into psychology and not everyone has to be a psychology major to put some put yourself in somebody's shoes and be like, okay, I love anthropology. Why? I want a very immersive experience. I want to feel like the most important person to that client. I, or that service provider. I want to, I, w- I don't want to just be playing travel. I want to experience. I want like the whole experience to feel like a vacation, even the booking, even the paying the deposit. How can I make the paying the deposit an experience for this person? Cause that's important to them. So I think that's where the magic of the worksheet comes from. I agree. Amanda Lynn, you and Robin spoke at Asta in California I wish I could have witnessed it. I wish they had a live stream for the record. If anyone part of Asta <laughs> next year, I'm shouting out a universal request live stream, the breakout sessions and the keynotes. But what do you have to add when it comes to drilling down on the ideal client avatar? Yeah. I mean, I really echo everything that Robin said. The ideal client avatar worksheet that she's created is really an invaluable resource for your business. My big takeaway, my big advice is to get granular. I mean, it's a detailed process and it's going to take you some time. It's not something that you can sit down and fly through in five minutes. And I think that kind of intimidates people sometimes. But if you'll really take the time to do the work and get detailed, it's going to pay off in big dividends, in my opinion. You know, really taking what you find in that research with your avatars that you create. Again, that's whenever I go to write a Instagram posts now, if I know I'm talking to Honeymoon Hannah, I'm not going to be sitting there like just spinning my wheels trying to figure out what in the heck to write down. It's going to help me so much. And then that also bleeds over into visual branding as well. When I know more about the psychographics and the demographics of these people, I'm going to be able to choose fonts and colors that you know are going to align with them, that they're going to be drawn to, that they're going to feel more of a connection to. So it takes a lot of the guesswork out of trying to market and brand your business, in my opinion. What's a psychograph? So like demographics are going to be more of like age and Ah. that sort of thing, where psychographics are more like, it leads into the, where do they shop? What makes them tick? How do they talk? What's their tone? Like that sort of thing. Whereas demographics are like, where do you live? What's your age? Okay, cool. I, you just taught me something new. So thank you for sharing that. I just, when you said that, I'm like, if I don't know, maybe someone else doesn't know it and probably should know it because that was my major. Yeah. So, so <laughs> by, defi- by definition, demographics are going to be like statistical data about somebody. Okay. So age, gender, income, race, location, that sort of thing, where psychographics are more values, their personality, their lifestyle, their attitude, that sort of thing. I mean, it's a very 50 50 split between the two, I would. 
dare to say of like what your your brand should have. It's not just an age or a geographical location. Oh yeah. No, it all comes together. If you want to do it, it being branding and do it successfully, like I think you really got to like bring it all together. Okay. So we have quite a few clients that don't know where to start with this when they're trying to articulate it to you. How do you guide them in a way that allows you to actually result in a brand? Maybe someone doesn't know who they're marketing to. They're early on in their career in travel, or maybe they've been marketing, like we said, like shouting into the void and they're trying to create a brand that is bringing in the right clients. How do you guide them to get to a point where they can properly inform you to the point where you can create a logo? That was a very long-winded way about (laughs) getting to it, but like, how do you guide them to get there? Yeah. So I'm going to jump around a little bit. I think first I'm going to walk you through like that process. And then I can walk you through some examples of where we've worked with clients where there've been some disconnects and like how we were able to remedy that for them. So first and foremost, we'd love to have clients do this worksheet, which again, like please go download it. It's an amazing free resource. And then we also have a more in-depth, really beefy questionnaire that all clients are required to answer before we start on their branding project. And again, that gives me a really clear picture of who they are and also who that ideal client is. What's their personality like? Where are they hanging out? Again, we get into all those demographics and psychographics. And even if they are just starting out, maybe they haven't booked a single trip yet. They do have an idea of the type of person they would like to work with. And we can tailor their brand to attract those types of people that it's their goal to bring in. We also have a strategy call with each of these people. So I actually get on a call with them and talk through it. And I think that's a lot of information comes through in that sort of call when you can really get someone talking, even if they sit down with their questionnaire and their form and they're hitting dead ends, or maybe they're having a hard time articulating me getting on a call. I'm able to loosen them up a little bit and the conversation starts flowing and they start telling me, why they're passionate about travel and the people that they're planning this trip for, what makes them so passionate about travel. And I think a lot of the answers come through in those calls that we have with our clients. And then of course, the Pinterest board, it's my favorite part of client homework. I just could geek out on Pinterest and be there forever. (laughs) Pinterest is such a great tool for me. So like we require clients to create a Pinterest board where they are pinning different things that they like. And I always encourage them to go outside of the travel space as well. So like you can pin a dress that you really like. If there's like a quote, you really love the font, pin that in there, the colors. And I think people generally do, especially after they've gone through the questionnaire and that ideal client worksheet, they do a very good job most of the time of not only pinning the things that they are attracted to, but also the things that they feel like will align with their business best and that their ideal client's going to be drawn to. I think some people get intimidated by the Pinterest board because they're already looking at it as like, oh, this needs to be a brand. So they're scared that if they like this, but the colors don't match this other thing that they're scared to put it all in there. And I really, anyone who's feeling that way, like, please don't be intimidated. I think that that's something that I have an eye for. I'm able to take like a 30,000 foot view of this Pinterest board and really connect the dots and recognize the patterns there. Even if you are pinning things that are vastly different in style, 
the the magic kind of comes from the questionnaire and the ideal client worksheet and our call and our Pinterest board, like all together in one. And it's like, how can we take all of that information and package it visually in a way that is going to communicate who you are, what you do and do so in a way that really attracts that ideal client. Dang, we should really do a social media post of like taking somebody's Pinterest board before their project and then show them the logo that comes out afterward. Ooh, I love that. I love that. That would be cool. Obviously, I see the T Pinterest all the time and I'll creep around when I know a client's coming up. I go and look at what they're pinning because I'm out of the branding process, but I like love it so much that I'll, I'll creep around a little bit. And it's always so fun when you see the final product and you're like, she's going to love it. I mean, one of like the best eye for things and like to pick up on oh, things that you. you might not even. It's same with travel though. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not good at branding. Well, people are not good at travel. And that's why they come to you. You're the expert. She is the expert. She's so good at what she does. So you just kind of have to let your creativity go and like just whatever's coming to you and whatever's showing up. Because we've had people, they post home decor and that tells a lot about what they like in their style. Oh, 100%. Yeah, just like that, that's going to show me more about you and what you're drawn to or what your ideal client's drawn to, whatever, than you trying to pin all these perfectly curated travel images. I need to know who you are who your ideal client is and what they are attracted to. I'm not worried about it being super cohesive and like quote unquote perfect. Show me what you're drawn to. You're drawn to it for a reason. And people see such a difference in their business. I mean, we've had clients come back to us and they're like, you'll have no idea how much my website's blown up after I rebranded and got all this stuff Mm -hmm. updated. And it's it's just crazy because now it's like, yeah, I'm still getting clients that maybe are Caribbean and I'm transitioning to more of a European niche, but I'm getting more of the new clients who know that European niche is what I'm doing. So it's like, we're in the right spot. Cause it's not just going to flip a switch happen overnight when you rebrand where it's like now all of a sudden nobody Caribbean is coming to you. It's going to be a slow development, but the newer people, it's fun to watch advisors. Be like, no, I, I agree. And I think that's, that's like a perfect segue into me talking about some of, of the transformations that we've been able to make for clients, especially just over the last year, for example, lots of people were coming and their brand just wasn't quite connecting with the types of people they wanted to work with. I think one of the biggest things that I've run into is just lack of knowledge, people not knowing that they need to be creating this visual brand and also their messaging tailored to that ideal client. And they're picking colors and fonts and that sort of thing that appeals to them without thinking of how that makes their ideal client feel. And for example, I worked with several clients last year who were really targeting kind of like corporate dads, which was like very interesting to me, but like not corporate dads, you know, C-suite level men who were planning trips for their families. They would travel multiple times a year. Sometimes they're taking the kids with them. Sometimes they want like a romantic getaway for just them and their wife, whatever. And that's great. But the colors that they had were not necessarily translating to that. That's who your target audience is. That's great. But they're probably not going to be drawn to hot pink. Yeah. And And they probably don't want to read a ton of website. They are no fluff. They want direct information as succinct as possible. They don't want a million things in the client experience. They're, They're looking for direct, straight, to the point, efficient. So 100% everything in your experience should be that way, including the website, but also like even just communication. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm, if you think about a, a C-suite executive, like they don't have time to weed through all of that stuff. They do need like bare bones, straight to the point information. 
and your messaging should fit that if that's who you're trying to reach. And that's why I feel like whether you're doing a branding project this year or not, like I just think knowing your ideal client and really getting this information so down path for your business is crucial to growth because this does, like John mentioned, it's not just about designing a logo. It's about tailoring your messaging and tailoring that client experience. And then where are you showing up on social media? A CEO dad isn't on TikTok. Why are you spending hours filming TikTok videos? That's so silly. Like go hang out on LinkedIn, go start an email newsletter. Let's get your SEO up and check. Like there's so many other ways to market that isn't necessarily social media because we see so many times, like time and time again, advisors just burning the midnight oil, creating social media content. And I'm like, you're not targeting, your ideal audience isn't even on social media. What are we doing? Let's give you eight hours back in your week and maybe... I, th- I, yeah. I think they feel so much pressure to show mm-hmm. up and to show up everywhere. And, and that can be a tough pill to swallow also. Like if I personally... I'm an advisor and I personally love Instagram and it's my favorite place to hang out, but like take a step back and take yourself out of the equation. Like the person I'm targeting, do they even spend any time on this app at all? And then if they don't, like, it doesn't matter that it's your favorite app. Sorry, you're wasting your time. Another thing that I've run into quite a bit with clients is more on the visual side of things. Just first glance at their website, their brand, whatever. It makes me think that they specialize in a certain thing. I see this especially with coastal beachy type vibes super like beachy colors or like super tropical imagery across their site or maybe like a little beachy icon that sort of thing and that's totally fine if that is what you are selling and those are the people that you are trying to reach but a lot of times I get on these calls with those exact people and in talking to them I'm realizing that most of their business is Europe and it's not coastal destinations in Europe. Or maybe they're also selling like luxury ski vacations. And if that's the case, then obviously there's a disconnect with your visuals. And so in instances like that, we really work to make sure that we create a brand where the imagery and the colors and the messaging are really consistent in encompassing all that they do, not just showing like one facet of what they do or who they think they should be showing up as. Brand imagery is so powerful. If you do not have the money for a true brand refresh where we're going to go in and really dive deep, something as simple as changing the imagery on your website and adjusting copy can be a game changer. And it's easy to find the stock beach imagery, but Pexels Unsplash, great sites for some love oh my stock gosh. imagery. Pexels so good. No, no. And it's incredible. Yeah. We pay for stock images off Social Squares, which is another awesome site. So if you're like, where do you find your stuff? There you go. All of our secrets laid yeah. on the table for you. Yeah, I think especially if you're relying on social media to market your brand and find new clients, like you really have to think about what that person is going to, the impression that they're going to get, what they're going to think. It is just a hard pill to swallow, to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And and you can't feel hurt when someone doesn't come to you for the trip type that you're not advertising or marketing. And let's be honest, I could post on stories all day long about what I do and what I sell. And if it's conflicting with my brand, first of all, barely any people are going to see your stories. So just assume that you're going to hit on one one hundredth of the people that you actually want to impress upon your brand identity when you're posting something on Instagram. That's not to say you're not going to make an impression, but it's just not as vast as it used to be. And the algorithm is always going to beat you. That's just Mm -hmm. the, the reality of it. 
if your brand identity, when someone lands on your website is conflicting with what they want, they're moving on to the next thing. And you really do have to be aware, self-aware enough of your brand identity and honest about what your brand is portraying. And if you don't know what your brand is saying to the world, I would say ask colleagues, get someone to do a peer evaluation on it and tell you, because I didn't know, Robin, this is like case, I'm a case study. I didn't know how you felt about the logo until we fixed the logo. (laughs) So I never, I never had the gumption to ask someone, what is my branding saying to someone when I had a terrible watercolor map as our homepage, Amanda Lynn, this is just, I just wish I had a picture of our website. But I they, was going to say, this is, this is prior to my knowledge of Explore. The OG website <laughs> was interesting. Granted, Jen, you did it all by yourself and it was on a budget and like, I don't need this. And I'm sure, I'm sure I didn't do it by myself. That's what's even more sad. <laughs> but it was only $500. So that like, you know, Back in the day, I did not have a large budget. I also didn't know what a website was supposed to do when it came to converting or portraying anything. I'm just thinking I need to create credibility. So this is my address. Just like I need a place where my mail to show up every day. So I need a house. Like I wasn't taking it a step further than that. I'll be honest. Well, did you expect Exploratory to go from what we started at to what it is today? Like probably not. Like you're not thinking about like, well, in five years, I'm going to have 10, 12 independent contractors underneath one brand. And we're going to be specializing in this. It was kind of just like, I'm growing and I want to do this and let's get some travel dollars flowing. So if any advisors, and I just want to put this out there as well, if any advisors are newer and they're afraid of niching down, I want to leave you with just a little nugget to chew on because we're talking, this whole episode, of course, was about ideal clients and dream clients. And if you're sitting there and you're like, listen, I just, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I want to attract. I'm not sure my specialty, then book, book everything, book all the things and figure it out. But know that like niching down can have such a powerful impact on your business. And I hope that's something that you learn from this episode or take away from this episode overall, because when you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. So by really taking the time to identify that ideal client, taking the time to identify what you enjoy booking and what you're good at, that's that's where the magic happens. And if you're good at destination weddings, but you want to take that fam to Italy, but it doesn't make sense because you only really book Caribbean, book Caribbean really freaking well, and then use all the income you're making from your super successful business to travel to Italy as a vacation. Not everything needs to be, well, I, I want to go to Egypt, so I should sell Egypt because then I can get there on a fam. Don't fall into that trap. Do what you do so, so well, find that niche, and then generate the income. I agree with that. Amanda Lynn, if you could leave us with general advice, what would you say? First and foremost, download the Ideal Client Avatar Worksheet and spend some freaking time going through it. And even if you aren't in a financial position where you can invest in branding or a rebrand really take some time to study your ideal clients and think of some ways, brainstorm some ways that you can tailor your messaging and your brand aesthetic to really stand out to those specific people. It's just going to be a lot easier to sell to them and to create these loyal clients and ultimately be more successful across the board, which is something that I think everyone in the travel industry wants for their business. Fantastic. 
So as you can see, I have come a long way in my days of a $5 logo. However, what I would love for people to take away is if you don't have a major budget right now, you should still figure out who you're marketing to. There are ways to start where you are. Robin just said it. She's like, just start. And that is our advice to you is just hone in on who you want to sell to and do some real analysis of that. If you're currently at the place where a Canva logo and free fonts are all that's in the budget, that's fine, but just start. And more than anything, use whatever you land on consistently in the same way every single time you show up to your audience. So if you're using one font in all caps, always use it in all caps. If you're using five colors, only ever use those five colors. If you've picked three fonts, only ever use those three fonts. And that's something that I really undervalued when I started out. I didn't really understand the impact of brand consistency and how it would create such a memorable experience on the other side of that. Absolutely. And when you're ready to enhance your branding, of course, we would love for you to consider Teak. We share a lot of our stuff on our Instagram account. We have a guide all about our past branding projects. So you can check out what we've done in the past. We offer everything from like the full spectrum of branding. So from start to finish, a brand new brand. And then we've started some refreshes and stuff for our current clients who have worked with us in the past. We are as passionate about your branding as you are. And we genuinely celebrate the wins where we hear that our clients are capturing the interest of their ideal audience. Thank you for being with us today, Amanda Lynn. We are very excited and we'll definitely have you back for more episodes because like Jen said, branding is the biggest beast to tackle. There's so many different little rabbit holes that we can go down, but that is it for now. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here and excited to come back again. We're not kidding when we tell you that we're big on transparency. That's why we've compiled a few bloopers from our recording. Whether you're laughing with us or at us, enjoy these never before heard moments. You like instantly start talking like a podcast intro. Like you, I instantly started. La, 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 la. Like it's like very, so, you, hear, you hear Jenna Kutcher like inflection. Yeah. yeah. It's freaking me out a little bit. But I couldn't stop it. Just it overtook me. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> the spirit entered my body, and that was what we were doing. It's like yeah. I saw, it's like I saw the red light blinking, and I just, I just the podcast recording is on, and we're rocking. <laughs> now I'm podcast Robin. <laughs> I don't even know what you're just saying. We went a lot of ways. We went a lot of ways. <laughs> I need Sorry. to. <laughs> I think it all ties in. I got nervous bringing that up because people are mean about it sometimes. And I'm not trying to, but it is, it's a, if you sit down and you think about the most basic time when you had to brand yourself, it was sorority stuff. It it came out of my mouth. I never would have, I, as I was oh, it is. It's so true. And Jen, I think the example that you tied in about being in Tahiti and stuff like that, it really does. That shows the power of it. God, and that, that they've woman. done it on a very successful, like national level. I want to be her. I think I have too much to say about branding. That's where it's like, it's, it's so multi-layered to me that I feel like this episode could go in 300 directions. And that's where I panic. Cause I'm like, stay on topic. There's, 
way too yeah, much. We're so good at staying on topic when we record these things. Okay. Every time we record, I'm like, that was the best episode ever. <laughs> Did you guys see that? I think it's a real, I don't think it's a TikTok, but it's like a little, it might be, I don't know. Everything is everything now. But the little kid where he's like walking across, um, like from a bedroom, he's bringing his mom coffee and he spills the coffee. <laughs> it's like everything. He like fails, like falls, like dramatically. He gets really dramatic. He's like bringing the coffee and she's like, you're doing great. No spills. You're doing great. And he's like walking. So, so it's like a little, like a tiny, tiny kid. He's like trying so hard. And then just like a little bit sloshes out of the, the cup. And she's like, oh, he spilled a literal, but that's okay. And he like, he like steps and he just drops the whole cup. Oh, no. <laughs> like drops it. She goes, oh no, did you panic? <laughs> you panicked. And he goes, it got on my sock. And she goes, oh, it got on your sock and you panicked. <laughs> <laughs> like, so he like keeps on messing with his sock. He's like so upset about his like, his sock got wet. <laughs> It's literally so cute. He's like, and you panic? Mm, Your sock got wet and you panicked. That's what I just envisioned there. I have to find it now, Amandalyn. It's good. It's like I keep watching. Every time it comes up on my feed, I keep watching. On multiple occasions. (laughs) We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.